Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now, here's your host, Jake Failing. And we are back. This is episode 21 of the Front Office Exchange podcast. And today you'll hear from Russ Scabetti, Vice President of Product Strategy for Core Software. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season first and foremost. I know I did. Uh, And that you're as excited as I am about getting 2017 started off on the right foot. So with that in mind, I think we've got the perfect podcast to kick things off in a big way. Uh, Most of you, if you're listening to this, you know of Russ. Uh, You follow him on social media. You read his blog. He's very well known in sports business circles, not only through his work with the New York Jets and Core, but also through his uh, many years of running thebusinessofsports.com. He's very active on Twitter as well. You'll see him at conferences and events. uh, And in general, he's just considered a, a sports biz thought leader. Um, His career is fascinating. Russ, uh, after an early career outside of sports, attended Arizona State's dual MBA and sports management degree program. And from there, as he coined it, uh, he, quote, embraced his skill set and married sports with his strengths in CRM and database marketing. Uh, He rose quickly through progressive roles, much of which he attributed to, again, quote, saying yes to opportunities uh, and leveraging his growing network. Um, As it relates to the latter, he stressed Look, it's not just who you know, it's who you know who knows what you know. Mic drop, head explosion. Yeah, I'll say it again. It's not just who you know, it's who you know who knows what you know. Great stuff from Russ. This episode is full of pearls of wisdom just like that and much more. So without further ado, Russ Scabetti of Core Software and thebusinessofsports.com. Russ Scabetti, thank you for joining me on the Front Office Exchange Podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, Jake. Been looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. I mean, it was it was getting to the point where everyone I was having on, everyone I was talking to, was referring you. And <laughs> I mean, I've it's I've been looking forward to this episode now for a couple months, just really just to get it over with, Russ. I'm tired of being referred to you. You're a, a popular man in sports business. <laughs> I, I, I am I am embarrassed yet flattered at the same time. So uh, I'll, I'll, I now now there's expectations. I need to come through. Oh, the bar is ridiculously high. Uh, so we'll kind of talk about how I was introduced to you and, and your network and so on. But why don't you first um, let us know what your role is is there at uh, Core Software, and then we'll kind of work backwards in your career. Sure. So my, my current role here at Core is as a VP of product strategy. So so what that mostly means is I'm in charge of our product line, what functionality we're adding, what is the product going to look like in three months, six months, 12 months, and across our whole product line. So we primarily develop CRM and data warehouse software for professional sports and entertainment companies, whether it's the ticketing side of the business, sponsorship sales, the analytics team, hospitality, et cetera. So I oversee the development process, the implementation of the software, the customer success afterwards, and, you know, help out with some business development here and there. Okay. So large company, small company, just give us an idea and, and kind of how you report up through the organization. 
Um, it's a it's a small company. Uh, it's been around for over ten years, though. Uh, really broke into the sports space of it uh, probably in the late two thousands, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, and that vertical just kind of took really grew fast and became entirely focused on that industry. Uh, we've got an office in New York, uh, development center in Vancouver, and some folks that uh, that kind of work remotely as well. And and I report up to the two co-founders of the company, our president and CEO, uh, who started the company back in uh, in the two thousands. Okay. Now, had you been keeping your eye on this company uh, or had they, you know, I assume you were recruited there, but you've got a diverse background and we'll talk about the business of sports and your blogging media career as well. Um, But, uh, you know, your background, like I said, is diverse. And, you know, was that, did you want to go this route after spending, you know, almost five years with the Jets? Well, that's exactly how the opportunity ended up coming about, because at the Jets, I was a customer of Core. Uh, we used them. When I started with the Jets in 2009, they, the relationship there had already begun. So um, so I got to know the folks at Core very well. Jets were a very early customer, did a lot of custom uh, solutions for how the Jets were investing in CRM around the development of the new stadium. And so just over the years, I got to work with more and more people at the company, um, you know, every now and then they checked in to see, you know, if I had any interest perhaps as the company was growing. And then, uh, I guess it was back in you know, 2014, uh, the company had a really new strategic direction they were looking to someone come in and really run with it. And opportunity was there. It seemed like a, a good challenge and decided to go for it. Yeah. And you hear that story a lot, whether someone's at an agency and they go to a client or vice versa. Um, had you at that point with the Jets realized that, hey, this this CRM, I mean, this is my passion. This is really where I want to take my career. Um, and it was a, a good time, good timing wise. Uh, is that really the driving force behind it? Yeah, it was definitely it was the right timing, right opportunity, right role, uh, something different, a new challenge. The Jets was was a, was a great opportunity, and and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. Uh, and got to do a lot there. You know, the focus was CRM and database marketing. But the nice thing about those roles is because you got your hands in the data. Th- there's more and more data coming from all these different departments. So I got to work with sales and sponsorships and marketing and IT and finance. Kind of kind of a a, a little bit of every. Everything. Right. So, so having, oh, so, I'm sorry. So having the technology background and then being in a space to be able to play with all that data and help the business make good decisions, it really was a, just a nice confluence. And to give this a little context, so going all the way back to Rutgers, uh, you're a, a computer science major, and you rolled out of school into a programming job, correct? Yeah, I was a comp sci undergrad at Rutgers uh, and just kind of assumed I was going to work in computers. I was good at it. I was comfortable with them. Uh, did a little bit of programming, did some system administration work, a little bit of everything. And the, the problem was, unfortunately, I really didn't enjoy it. I really didn't have a, a passion for what I was doing, even though I was good at it. And uh, the, what, I, what I failed to do in undergrad and very early, early on in my career was think about my career. I just thought about what my job is and doing my job. And so that's where, uh, you know, about three or four years after I got out of school, I kind of had to decide it was time to do a reboot. And that's when I uh, decided to go back to grad school and, and kind of change directions. Now, when you say it wasn't your passion in terms of the day-to-day or the industry or both? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, the the industry. I mean, uh, my first job as a was at a programmer at, at a, a 
co-location hosting services company. So a little bit of websites, a little bit of other, you know, we had several different clients, um, but really just kind of in the technology piece of it, not a lot of direct connection to any specific industry. Uh, I worked for the state government for a little while, again, very much just about the execution of the technology and managing the technology. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, it, it was important. Uh, and like I said, you know, I, I did a, a good job with it, but there was no, there's no extra kick, you know, no, like, you know, why am I doing this? What's the passion behind it? What's the motivation behind it? Uh, and it just felt like something was lacking and was just kind of going through the motions uh, and thinking about going through the motions for the next 20 years was a little depressing. So that's, that's kind of what really opened my eyes to think about, I need to have a game plan here. I need to think about what the next 20 to 30 years really is going to look like. Uh, and you did that, it looks like, as a 25, 26-year-old, which is pretty impressive. Uh, was sports always a passion running kind of in the background of all this? Yeah, it was always something I loved. I mean, I was a terrible athlete. Uh, it didn't stop me from attempting to play sports. <laughs> right. uh, I was that kid who had the minimum two innings and one at bat in Little League just so they, the coach could say he played everyone. Okay. So it d- didn't really – new athlete, uh, that, that avenue was not really an option for me. But I was in the marching band all throughout high school and college. Uh, you know, I was always around uh, athletics uh, at Rutgers. Uh, I always loved the idea of working in sports, kind of like most people do. You know, you think, you know, maybe I could be a GM one day or maybe I could be a coach or maybe I could do something. But it was a little bit of a pipe dream. So when I kind of had that crossroads in, in my mid-20s realizing that I wasn't in an industry I liked – sports did pop back to mind. Like, what is, is this really a viable path rather than, rather than a pipe dream? And so that's when I did a little bit more research. Um, you know, was looking at schools, looking at programs, trying to figure out what career paths might look like and learned all about what really the business side of the industry is like, rather than the, the on the field, you know, player team ops side of the business. And that what really caught my attention and, uh, and kind of led me down that path. Uh, so naturally you went, all the way across the country. So why Arizona State? What drew you to that program? Was it, you know, it looks like it's a little bit of a unique program with the NBA where you get the marketing and the sports business. You hit the nail on the head. Because this was, I was taking a big risk. Uh, You know, I had no sports background prior to going to grad school. Uh, I wanted to pick a program that first and foremost had a really strong MBA because I loved the idea that the business degree was going to open up new career paths. I actually took a couple of part-time business classes at Rutgers almost as a a feeler to try to figure out, am I going to enjoy this? And I fell in love with it. It was a marketing class and an econ class um, and and just knew right away that this was the right, right avenue. And so Arizona State at the time had a really, I mean, they still have a very strong MBA and they had this up and coming sports business program kind of seemed like the best of both worlds. If the sports business piece didn't work out, they had finance and marketing and all these other options that were part of the program. And hopefully the sports piece did work out. And so uh, it was kind of the right combination for me. Uh, and it was also, hey, you never getting away from New Jersey for a couple of years in the yeah. warm. I was going to say, uh, you you're know? skipping over the fact that it's in Arizona and the weather is far better. So, I mean, worst case, there's your baseline. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it was it was it was a right program, right combination of 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 curriculum. Location was great, too, in terms of the, the opportunities it would present on the sports side uh, with the university and the teams in the market. Um, so, yeah, it just it just seemed like the right fit. 
And I know around that time is when, you know, the, the big analytics push and you started hearing more of that term. And so I, I got to imagine in that marketing coordinator role while you were enrolled there, were you kind of discovering, wow, everything I learned prior to this, I can use it to be a star here. Yeah, it, it, I, I I wish I could say I had some master vision before I even got into the program, but right. kind of ended up being the the right place, right time with what was going on in the industry. Definitely in that you know 2006 to 2008 period, right. you had people starting to get more into database marketing, looking at CRM systems, thinking about digital marketing differently. Um, so it, it was a it was a, a little bit of a groundswell going on. And I was particularly fortunate because Arizona State ran that athletic department really more like a pro team. Uh, they they invested in technology. They were very data oriented. Uh, one of my first uh, mentors and, and managers there, a gentleman named Steve Hank, who was the uh, assistant or associate AD at the time. Um, you know, I worked with him on a lot of things. I also worked with Becky Park, our director of marketing, on a lot of things. And I think there was opportunities there that a lot of college programs wouldn't necessarily have had, um, you know, jumping into regression analysis and segmentation and email marketing. So uh, I, I kind of got a little bit of that professional taste of things while at a university. I, I was promised there would be no math, Russ. All right. So no, <laughs> uh, no, but um, you bring up a good point. So let's stay here for a second, then we'll continue through your career. But, you know, there's a lot of students out there. You know, I think a, a mutual friend we saw or we have Joe Favorito posted something that there's far more now sports graduate programs than there are um, to become a doctor, uh, which is scary to think. But, you know, choosing a school, you know, you hear the ones in Ohio and other places, but one at Arizona State where, to your point, it has the NBA, but it's also in a city, in an area that knows big sports and those opportunities exist. So I'm sure you get the question all the time, Russ, should I go back to school? What do you think? What's your advice? I'm curious what that is. So it, it's very situational dependent. Uh, I think for some people, it's absolutely the right move. And for some people, maybe not. You, you kind of have to go into into that type of situation or make the decision to go back to grad school with a plan in mind. Um, you know, whether you are, you've been working in the industry and you're, you're, you're kind of hit a ceiling and you're looking for something to differentiate you or open up a door in a slightly different direction that would be hard to open otherwise, um, you know, it can definitely be used in the right way. And, and the right program selection is very, very important, whether it's undergraduate or graduate. I would I would lean a little away from over-focusing on sport as an undergraduate uh, option, or mm. at least making sure it's paired with another major or something that's got a lot more um, cross-industry appeal for skill development purposes, like in economics or marketing or finance. Um, but the programs themselves, there's a lot of great ones out there. There's some that, you know, to Joe's point, they keep just popping up. And so you, you maybe have to wonder, is this something that's actually going to benefit my career? Uh, and the important thing is to do your research and do your preparation, whether it's looking at, you know, who's teaching at the university, what's the course curriculum like, um, is it an accredited university? So one of the things that I actually did for a little while, um, because I 
like to, I, I refuse to ever stay bored. I was on the board of commissioners of a group called COSMA, the Commission on Sport Management Accreditation. And so that's kind of a newer accrediting body and one that's more and more important now because of how many programs there are. So, you know, having an accredited program gives you, can give students and parents and everyone a sense of trust that this program has been vetted out. Um, and look at the alumni base, look at the experiential learning. Are they requiring fellowships? What's their job placement like? Um, you know, if you do your research, you'll find the programs that are the right fit. And then, like I said, as long as you go into it with a plan, I'm going into this because it's going to help me get into the industry, change roles into this. Um, if you go into it just thinking, I'm going to get to work in sports, you're going to kind of meander around, I think, and not get as much value out of it, regardless of undergrad or graduate level. So then you left ASU uh, for a role with Comcast Spectator for uh, less than a year. So talk about that. Did you learn pretty quickly that, you know, hey, I want to get out of this, uh, you know, this role and and out into the the sports business industry? Um, Or was that a year long role or what was that? That, it's actually the exact opposite. So it was Comcast Spectacor, which owned the Flyers and the Sixers and the Arena and, and several other uh, related businesses. So while I worked for the parent company, I was very tightly aligned to the Flyers. Ah. So essentially, I was their CRM analyst. I was in their sales meetings, their service meetings. The team had just rolled out a new Salesforce CRM. Literally, my first day at the company was the day they rolled out the platform. Uh, and I worked for a gentleman there named Mark DiMaurizio, uh, who, again, has been incredibly valuable in, in my career development. So, yeah, I, I joined on there as a CRM analyst. Uh, and in 11 months, I, I joke, I learned more in one year under Mark than I think I could have learned five years anyone el- anywhere else. So it just it, they put me in a position to to do a lot, to learn a lot, to think on my feet, to uh, r- you know get a, get a real hands-on education. Uh, and that time there just essentially prepared me for what my next job was. Slingshot out into everything else. So how did you find out about that role? So just to give uh, people a perspective, they're listening and they're coming out of that uh, grad school program. Was that networking through the network, graduates, the alumni, or um, did you go out and hustle? Uh, it, it was, well, I, I did go out and hustle, but it was definitely networking too. So, uh, after I graduated, I always knew I wanted to come back East. Uh, my then fiance, now wife, uh, always wanted to stay up in the, in the New York, New Jersey area. So, uh, while I was in Arizona, I was looking for jobs in this area. Uh, but my, and I was looking, I had some oppor- interviews with NBA and the NHL, things weren't really coming around, but one of the connections I made at Arizona state through Steve Hank, who I mentioned earlier, he introduced me to Sean Tilger, who is I believe currently now the COO of the Flyers or SVP. And Sean, after a call with him, said, "Oh, you got to talk to Mark." And so Sean introduced me to Mark. And this is probably you know a couple months before I graduated. And we hit it off, had a real great conversation on the phone, not an interview, just a conversation. Probably had one or two more throughout the semester. Graduated, came back east looking for a job, had a bunch of interviews, nothing was quite coming through yet. And then uh, in July, he called me and said, hey, uh, I had someone leave and we have a CRM analyst opening. Would you be interested in it? Uh, and I said, of course. And I came down and interviewed and uh, taking that job was was awesome. Uh, even though it, I, even though to this day, it, it has the, uh, the, the long, it's the longest commute I've ever done in my life for that job. I can imagine. So was that, did that run concurrently with you starting um, the business of sports? 
I started the businessofsports.com, which is my blog, while I was finishing up school. So spring of 2008. Um, originally, I wanted to start it up and trying to get some of my classmates to help write uh, articles. Thought it'd be a really good way to help promote the program at Arizona State. They were a little less enthusiastic about it than I was. So I said, all right, well, I'm still going to do this. Uh, and just kind of ran with it and has been using it as a, as a platform or opportunity to write and share and best practices or opinions uh, ever since. Yeah, you mentioned you don't like to stay uh, bored or not busy. So, I, I mean, you kind of glazed over that. I mean, you've been at that now for almost nine years, which is nuts. So, you know, as someone who, I, you know, we're 20 episodes into this podcast, um, how has it evolved for you, uh, the business of sports, the blog, um, over the last you know, almost decade? When you, you and I almost connected at the um, SPJ, the marketing conference up in New York recently, uh, when you were doing your thing, you were interviewing uh, executives and, and athletes and people that were there. Has I know this is a multi-part question, but has that blog has that given you a new platform and other opportunities that you've enjoyed almost on the side with everything else going on? It's It's been one of the best decisions I could have ever made in my career between the blog and also jumping into Twitter very early on. Uh, it, they're just door openers. Uh, I've never made any money off of having a blog, but what it does is it, it gave me visibility as I was trying to essentially create a new career. Uh, and as as we everyone in sports knows, it is about relationships. The 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 value that your personal brand can have and your reputation, uh, you know, getting your name out there it is really really important uh, in order to get those opportunities. And it, it's it's just been I, I joke around that. It's 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 building up my goodwill bank in perpetuity. Like I, whether I can um, write an article that someone else enjoys and gives them an idea, um, whether it helps me network with other people. The blog has spawned for me a whole series of networking events that I help host. Um, it's provided some fun little things, a little you know, you know the the conference opportunity that you mentioned or some media opportunities. They're just fun, um, and the the common theme throughout doing this is it helps connect me with more and more people, whether I'm helping them, whether they're helping me, whatever it is, it, it's just has this, this nice, really powerful network effect. Uh, and, and it's been wonderful for me. Do you need that in your current role? Or is this truly a, you know what, you, you love to learn, you love to network and build relationships? I mean, uh, uh, do I need it? Maybe not, but I also would never want to kind of, I never wouldn't get to the point where I'm overconfident that I don't need it uh, right. because it still ends up creating uh, new opportunities here and there. Like the, like going to the conference that we were, we, uh, we almost crossed paths at the other day. That was an opportunity where Momentum was having people uh, looking for someone to help interview folks and, and as part of their conference platform. They've seen what I do in the blog. They've seen what I've done in other places or podcasts and led to a new relationship with Momentum. I didn't have that relationship three months ago. So, yes, I probably don't need it, but I don't see the downside. Uh, as long as I can continue to find the time, and that's probably the biggest challenge, uh, it continues to add value to my career. Yeah, and I, I don't – I 
completely agree with you. I'm I'm a big fan of that mentality. I know that you've you mentioned some of the events that you've done. If anyone's interested, they can go to the website or to your LinkedIn and see some of the stats you put up. Are you doing any of those hashtag SB Night or any of those other types of networking events now currently? Um, not right now. So we used to do – we started off as kind of a one-off event in New York, spawned into other cities, became Sports Business Night, and eventually Sports Business Week. Uh, we've done Sports Business Week for three years uh, now, and essentially it's one week out of the year where I work with a lot of friends in a lot of different cities uh, and even other countries. And we have all these networking events uh, completely for charity, uh, and we've had you know over 1,500 people participate the last two years and uh, yeah, it's just fun. Uh, we'll probably do another one uh, tentatively in the spring. I'm hoping around the April time frame. Uh, but and then we'll try to uh, get as many cities involved again as we can. Last last time around, we actually hit 50 cities. Great. So you have this amazing year uh, at Comcast. You learn a ton. Um, and then did, were the Jets uh, just kind of looking up the uh, the turnpike there, or or looking down the turnpike, I should say, and, and noticed you? Were you, were you recruited away? Uh, and it was another relationship. So kind of reiterating the same story of how important that is. So my the person who became my boss at the Jets had come from the Raiders. I uh, named Rob Sullivan. Great guy. Uh, when he left the Raiders, he had asked some of his counterparts at the Raiders, hey, I know I'm looking for someone to fill this role here at the Jets. Who do you know? And both of those people who were working at the Raiders, well, one, they were both also Arizona State alumni uh, and both knew me very well. And they said, oh, Russell's just down the road from you. You should meet Russell. And so they set up the introduction, uh, met him actually at a conference we happened to both be at. He had me come in and present to himself and some of the leadership at the Jets. And it was one of those things that that just came together really fast and the opportunity was there. But the introduction was from a mutual relationship. And based on who you're with now, you said that they were one of the early adopters of CORE or one of the first to to work with them. Um, Did you feel that over the five years? Were they really bought into uh, the services that you were bringing them and and what you were bringing to the table? Uh, Well, the the Jets were really – the Jets really took advantage of, you know, looking at – the new stadium uh, as, as, a, as a way to invest in lots of different technology uh, really changed the business. That was CRM, that was data, technology, infrastructure, you name it. So uh, the Jets fundamentally bought in. And so it really, the CRM platform there really supported the entire organization, ticket sales, groups, hospitality, sponsorships, like I said, tied into finance, tied into IT and marketing. And so the nice thing is also because I was there, and we were with core, I just developed the relationship with them as well. So I wanted to keep pushing the envelope a little bit. How can we, how can we tie in this other department? How can we add this functionality? So I was constantly having a back and forth with the folks at core and, and, and developing the product, pushing the product forward. Uh, we had, we, we built up a pretty good reputation at the jets for what we were doing in the CRM space. So that led to opportunities where other teams maybe would want to come visit or, uh, speaking at conferences like seat, whatever it might be. And, uh, and so just, yeah, over the course of that five years, we, we did a lot of really cool things together. Um, and then eventually led to, led to this role here. Yeah. So with the jets there, there's always, there always seems to be something. And, you know, that era that you were there, Oh, nine to 14, you certainly saw whether it was Sanchez or Tebow or Ryan or all the things that were going on. And I, I know you weren't on the field with them, but 
being so closely tied to ticket pricing, renewal strategies, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, what was that like over those five years? Was it challenging? Did it make your job more challenging? It was fun. I mean, it, it was. We definitely had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I came in at, at a great time, 2009, 2010, were the, the back-to-back AFC championship seasons. Great time to be launching a new stadium. Um, you know, that team definitely had a downturn a little later. So it, it really it makes you think about communication strategy, about pricing strategy. Uh, Jets fans uh, do not hold back their opinions whatsoever. Uh, And so, you know, from my perspective, helping the sales staff, helping the service staff, I just want to capture as much data as I can. How can we capture fan sentiment? How can we capture what things are impacting likelihood to purchase? What can we roll into retention models and forecasting? Uh, So it, it was... There was there was no shortage of data coming in uh, from the fans, uh, and 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 definitely a variety of situations, which is good. I mean, in terms of career development, in terms of being able to you know handle the ups and the downs. You know, if you're in a situation where your team always wins every year, years and years in a row, and that's wonderful. I you know would be really happy for you. But you're also not learning from the challenges that come with a down season or how do you overcome fan objections and, and what's the right pricing or incentives or, or ways to, uh, to kind of ride out the tide, if you will. So the ups and downs were there and definitely got to learn a lot from them. So looking back at your career, all the different changes, uh, the change that you made and, and where you are now, you know, you've been with a team, you've been with, you're now with a vendor, you were on the, the board of commissioners, as you mentioned, you know, was this, I know you said, I wish I had that much foresight earlier in the conversation, but it almost seems strategic that you've built this well-rounded uh, sports business career and that's helped you um, with the blog as well. I mean, do you feel like that you've gained kind of all facets of the sports business industry over your career so far? I, I like to think so. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I think being in those, those, the technology, the CRM, the data side, it, it, it is a natural place that exposes you to every piece of the business. So I'm not just looking at ticket pricing. I have to help our sponsorship team make sure, you know, are they tracking uh, rate cards and asset value and deal profitability? Or how does the finance team need to see information about uh, renewal invoices? Or how do I help support the box office? So the role itself, just on the team sides that I've had and with Core, just lends itself to seeing a lot of the business. So um, from that perspective, absolutely. And and in general, I like to take an attitude of saying yes to as much as I can, whether that's speaking or teaching or attending events or blogging or whatever it might be, because ultimately every one of those things is a learning opportunity. Even when I was at the Jets and someone wanted to come visit us to learn about what we were doing in CRM, I always felt that ultimately I was learning just as much getting their perspective. Uh, Same thing here with Core. Core, I went from, you know, with the Jets, I was working for one team. With Core, we've got 70, 80 different teams that we're working with on various things. So again, you know, know, the NFL has a different take on things than an NBA club or an NHL club. So always putting yourself in a position to have the opportunity to learn, I think is really important. Are there any clubs or events that you haven't worked with yet that you'd like to? Ooh, um, that's a great question. I mean, there's definitely events I want to attend that I haven't gone to yet. Um, but 
Uh, not, I mean, we work with clubs in all five leagues. Uh, we work with minor league teams. We work with colleges. Um, you know, I, I think, I think maybe there's some opportunities on the media side of the business that are really interesting and in how the technology and media is, the landscape is changing, but, uh, but n- not really, I, you know, it's I've really gotten a chance to be exposed to a lot. Well, that leads to my next question as well. The, the more of these emceeing and keynote and speaking opportunities that you've had, um, you know, do you have kind of a favorite maybe conference or a favorite uh, type of event where you've made a media type of appearance that you, you really like? The, the media appearance stuff, like I've done a couple little TV spots for like local local news or some little things like that or some newspaper quotes. That's just kind of fun. Um, you know, I think it's it's my, my, my family or friends get a kick out of that stuff. The, the conference wise, though, the two conferences to me that are kind of my favorite. I mean, they're they're important for core, but they're also my favorite because of my passion and what I do is the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference and the Seat Technology Conference. Uh, those are the two that, you know, in, as best I can, I will always attend every year. Um, I've had opportunities to speak at them or be on a panel or do presentations, which is always nice. But more from the perspective of the people that are there are people that were my peers, that are my peers, uh, working in similar roles, people that I can learn from, people I have really interesting conversations with. Um, sometimes you can get really into the weeds and get into the nitty gritty of the data and the technology, but also still have really nice strategic conversations of how this fits into uh, an overall strategy for the organization, uh, staffing, budgeting, investments, you name it. So those are the two conferences that, that are kind of my anchors. Uh, I I love attending lots of different events and, and getting different perspectives, but they're they're definitely the most important for me. How would you recommend someone say they wanted to connect with you, meet with you, whether they know you already or it's just they're coming in cold? How would you recommend um, they reach out to you and, and try to schedule something at one of those conferences? Let's say. I mean, at a conference, it's, it's normally pretty easy. I'm, I'm very accessible, especially on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the easiest place to just get a, a little bit of an intro and a conversation going. What, what I don't like is, is when I'll get uh, an unsolicited LinkedIn message without any context behind it, and I just don't know what to do with that. And honestly, I just delete those. Um, you know, as long as, as long as you can introduce yourself, have a little bit of conversation, explain, you know, why you want to talk or why you want to meet. I'm always happy to have those conversations. Um, And I I think it's really important too. like, you know, networking is not just about, you know, collecting numbers, you know, it's not how many business cards that I come home, come home with at the end of the day. I'd rather make one or two meaningful relationships than, than 25, you know, superficial ones. So it's really about, you know, I'm very accessible. Twitter's probably the easiest way. And then just make sure it's, you know, it's, I have context and there's some, some value to the conversation. What's the future of the business of sports? I mean, I look at it, you're, you're still super active. I know you say it's fun. You love it. Um, do you see it going now for the foreseeable future? Yeah, right now it's kind of status quo. Uh, I actually don't have as much time to write as I wish I did. And, and, and every now and then I look and realize it's been three weeks since I've written something and beat myself up a little bit for it. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried to dabble in podcasts, uh, but for me, I think writing and tweeting is just a more comfortable platform. But I love like seeing what you're doing and what a bunch of others have been doing in this space. Uh, I don't think I'll go down that road. But uh, <laughs> And I'm but not no, going I, down I, your road because you set the bar so high. So we're, we're good then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. No, I, I think it's, 
I think it's going to kind of keep moving along as it is, and you never again taking an open mind, never knowing what uh, what format it might uh, it might be able to take in the future. And then, how about a core? I know you can't get deep into the strategy here, but what are the types of things you're working on? What's the future look like there? Um, the future for us, we're in a really lucky position because we work with so many different teams that they're all pushing the envelope. Uh, we, we can we can kind of glean best practices from NBA clubs, from NHL clubs. And so my biggest thing is to try to keep the product pushing forward. So we update our product every three months uh, with new things. Um, so that's a pretty short cycle in terms of uh, in terms of software development to keep new things in front of our customers. We have a data warehouse product that uh, was just really introduced last year. Uh, that's a that's a growing opportunity for us. And in general, as more and more teams are investing in different technology and all these different technology platforms are generating more and more data, we're, we're just constantly trying to find ways to integrate, uh, get some good insights out of it. We've put a lot of time and energy into better reporting and, and, and analysis directed into the product. So the more we can really bring the insights to life, make it as easy as possible for the staff to use, um, those, those are the things that we're really concentrating on. Earlier in the podcast, you said one of my favorite pieces of advice, just say yes as much as you can. Be open to opportunities. Um, any other pieces of advice that you like to share? It also sounds like you've had some great mentors over the years. I don't know if you want to mention anyone in particular, but uh, any advice that uh, you like to pass along to people? Well, the, the one thing, there's probably two two pieces of advice that came from folks that were, were actually kind of working with the university uh, that, that always stick with me. One was embrace your skill set. So when I actually had that technology background, I was trying to get into sports, I actually was avoiding technology for a little bit. I didn't want to be pigeonholed as the IT guy writing websites, doing programming. That wasn't what I was interested in. But then uh, actually a gentleman named Mark Tootie gave me a good wake-up call. He said, what are you talking about? You have this competitive advantage in the fact that you're comfortable with all this stuff. Just find a new way to apply it. So um, thinking about the skill set and embracing it uh, is in in being creative with it is really important. And and the other one is and kind of ties back to something I said earlier. There's the old cliche. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Uh, One of the directors of our career services department, a guy named uh, Guy Groff, uh, said that that was an incomplete statement. It's not what you know and it's not who you know. It's who you know who knows what you know. And the point of that is, again, it's not just about collecting names and having a bunch of people know you. You need to make sure that people that know you can also speak to the value that you add and the skills you have. So, again, the quality relationship building. um, So where they can not just become a, a generic reference, you can actually have someone become an advocate. So those are two things that have really kind of stuck with me. Wow. Those are awesome. So you talked about Twitter a little bit. Um, where can people find you? You didn't mention your handle, um, you know, LinkedIn. I think hopefully everyone gets the message. Make sure it's not a cold LinkedIn. Um, uh, but just in general, uh, where do you hang out and what are those handles? Uh, main one, easiest one to find me is rscabetti on Twitter. Uh, I'm very act- active there, especially around the, uh, the sports biz hashtag. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and the business of sports.com. Awesome. Well, I, I think I speak from everyone for everyone at sports business, uh, what you've done for the last gosh, almost nine years is someone that's three months into this. It is so daunting, but, uh, the time and energy that you've put into that without caring about money or anything like that, just to build the network and 
to use your words just to have fun. It's impressive, and uh, I thank you. It's a, a great resource, and uh, I was very excited to, to finally connect with you, and um, I appreciate you coming on, Russ. Oh, thank you, Jake. I uh, appreciate that, and uh, it's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more. 